two weeks off. No, good. Uh, one of my recent sermons, I thought the metaphor of the last 24 months has kind of been like living in a boat. If anyone's been fishing, you come in off a day off the boat, and even if you really enjoy fishing and it's been a great day fishing and all those kinds of things, you come in off after a day off the boat and you're pretty tired, you're pretty exhausted. Uh, one of the reasons being that your body kind of works double time to maintain balance and equilibrium and a sense of the horizon. Uh, all these kind of things. So if, you're a, if you're a keen boater, then uh, you kind of begin, you're not really paying attention to that. Uh, if you're someone who gets seasick easily enough, you're really paying attention to that. Uh, but anyone in between, you kind of, you kind of run from a day to day, you're like, why am I so exhausted? It's like, all I've done is relax on a boating day. We caught heaps of snapper. It was delightful. I can't kind of keep my eyes open. It's because your body's working double time beneath the surface just to, just to keep everything in balance. And, and the, uh, after that, just as an example of the reality that even if you haven't been impacted medically or economically, uh, even if your extended family is all still turning up for Christmas and able to have conversations about anything, you know, even if you've managed to get through the last 24 months like that, it's been an exhausting 24 months. Now, if I was to graph my excitement, anticipation, enthusiasm, I know we're in February now, but for January, like if we were to graph that over the last 20 years of my life, January, we are ready to rock and roll, like probably for the last 19 years, and then the year 2022. January, excitement, anticipation, enthusiasm, looking forward to all that's ahead. Way low on the uh, way low on the graph kind of thing. That's quite unusual. That doesn't that's not that's not following the pattern over the last 20 years. Because it's tiring. It's a bit exhausting. What about uh, I mean so we talk about life as a in a robot on a big set, trying to have a coffee with friends, but doing it on a boat, trying to make store lunches, but doing it on a boat, trying to do your work, but you know, typing on a boat. Essentially, just get what about church though? I was talking to uh, Sam Harvey from Bay Vineyard uh, earlier in the week. We were talking about church. He offered a different boat metaphor. So we're going to change tack. That's another boat metaphor. Uh, and use a different boat metaphor this morning. And he was talking about church uh, as being like one of those America's cup yachts uh, with a hydrofoil. You know, the, if you watch the America's cup, those boats, they get up on the hydrofoil and that. They're just impressive to watch. They just, they just, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome, really. Uh, but then the wind rocks are going to come down off the hydrofoils. They're just dead in the water. They just bob around and they don't really do anything. And they're not very exciting at all. And they put the sails up and they try to get whatever's happening happening. And it's just, it just doesn't kind of kind of work. Uh, talking with a lot of senior pastors, I know that they're feeling like the church is the America's cup yacht that's come down off the hydrofoils and just is kind of sitting in the water. And I recognize that. I see, I see, I can sense that as well. Uh, with those America's Cup Yachts, it doesn't matter how good the team is. You can have the very best team, you can have the best captain, the best technology. Half of them can hang over the side and start kicking if they want to. Uh, but unless the wind moves, I can't remember what the actual thing is, but unless the wind moves from like 9.1 knots to 10.4 knots, unless it hits whatever that magic number is, that boat is not going to get up off the off whatever it's called. It's not going to get up onto the hydrofoil. And you can take and scream all you like. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I think the, the wind is the wind, and this cultural moment is, like right now today, like I said, we have a hurricane outside. 
workplace, uh, talking to people that work at hospitals, my wife, but many others, talking to doctors and nurses and, and healthcare workers, talking to teachers, lots of teachers I've been talking to. Ready for the year! It's a year! You know, it's, it feels like it's, it's just it's just come down off the, the hydro falls and, and it's just kind of sitting in the water a little bit more. We've got to figure that out. Uh, sports clubs, I, you know, most volunteer organisations. These are easy times to ramp off rather than to ramp on. It just kind of, kind of feels like it's down in the water a little bit. Uh, it just is what it is. You have to ride it out. Uh, I'm not talking that it's a lack of the all of you that grew up Pentecostal, uh, like I do, and, and still are. But you know, all of you that grew up deep in Pentecostal, it's not. I'm not referring to the wind of the Holy Spirit needing to blow upon the church and lift it and get it going. I'm not talking about that. Uh, the Spirit of God is present. The redemptive love of God is present, as always, restoring and mending and healing, and putting back people back together, doing all sorts of amazing things. I'm just talking about the momentum of this cultural moment that we live. Shared atmosphere, I think, that we can. Uh, we all kind of sense. And in practical speaking, one of the, like I just mentioned, it's easy, it's easy seasons to rank off rather than to rank on, to disengage rather than to push forward. Uh, a lot easier to, to, to do that. Just kind of comes with the territory. And I want to stir you up in regards to this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 talks about provoking one another to love and good works. And I started kind of in the pastoral letter and I started on online sermons kind of, but I just wanted to remind people. As we kind of sit maybe down in the water a little bit, it's a season to embrace healthy habits, holy habits, communal habits. So, so easily when kind of life's a bit skewed with the healthy habits go out the window. Uh, when, we, when we've got a nice routine and everything's as we like it, it's a little easier to do. We're eating salads and we're drinking lots of water. We're at the same, we're at, you know, we're at the same desk every day rather than scattered around the universe working in different places. So we know how many liters of water that we've had and we're staying hydrated and we're eating salad and fruit like that, and then it all kind of, ah, oh, it's all messy at the moment, throw me the Tim Tams, throw me the Tim Tams, they're, they're, they're easy, kind of thing. a little bit like on a boat, you don't want to sit down on a boat and have, you know, chicken fettuccine, it's like, somebody just give me Tim Tams on the boat, it's, like, oh, it's easier to do that. Pilates, salads, exercise, all upside down, so, you know what's easier than Pilates and salad and exercise, movies and cake and beer, and so it's like, yeah, let's go, let's go with that one. Uh, holy habits kind of tend to fall by the wayside. Prayer, worship, devotional reading. It's a lot easier just to have a nap or scroll through, scroll through social media feeds or news feeds to be outraged at something. Because then it feels like doing something we're outraged. That feels positive. And it's, you know, that is the things that we can really do. Communal habits fall to the wayside. Gathering, meeting new people, catching up with people, inviting people for dinner, going out for dinner, having meals together. But those kind of things fall by the wayside. It's easier to just kind of turn in. And I just want to encourage you to, to not sit back, but to push forward. Uh, I said in the recent letter, trying to predict the future during COVID uh, has made me look like an idiot way more than it's made me look like a genius. But uh, my prediction is like, there, yeah, I think we might be honest. How it is now is probably how it's going to be for the next three months, four months, six months, nine months. I can't see orange or green on the horizon. And by every indication, it looks like we're going to stay as things are. So in one sense, perhaps, maybe, this is kind of our new new normal for at least six months. So the, the thing is, well, okay, well, I've got to find healthy habits, holy habits, communal habits in this new normal, whatever that looks like. And I encourage you in regards to this. Across all spheres, spheres of life, church life too. Psalm 122, this one, I was glad when they said to me, let 
foster gaps that we need to fill up on the next slide, I think. Um, not too bad, like uh, there's just some things that we need. We need two people that can come at the 11 a.m. as Sunday managers. What are Sunday managers? They look after all the COVID protocols. They have the health and safety manual. They have the fluorescent vest in case of a fire, which is awesome. And you never know, that could be your Sunday to really play the hero role. Uh, so Sunday managers kind of just help us keep this place healthy. They walk around the building and go, how come there's a smash bottle at the entranceway? And I'm like, I don't really know. Okay, I'm about to preach a sermon. They go, no, that's not good. We need to sweep that up. Uh, so we need some help with some Sunday managers that can give us a hand at the 11 o'clock one. That's kind of just the bird's eye view over things, scanning people and those kinds of things. Uh, we need some setup folk. Uh, we are going to look and get some cleaners, but some setup folk to help, you know, vacuum floors and clean floors before church starts. Uh, we need three people to help after the 11 o'clock. So I'll we'll talk about this bit more the 11 o'clock one with packing up. Sometimes what happens is um, I get talking to people and uh, then you look up kind of thing and everyone's gone and there's still like a floor we swept and some you know leads to be rolled. So we, we can do it with three people that can go on a roster to help us with that. About every three, every four weeks kind of thing. Morning tea, we need four people to help with morning tea, not for the 11 o'clock because they miss out, but at the 9 o'clock for morning tea, we need four people that can help us do tea. Okay. We've, we've gone back and forth on doing tea and coffee and spice with the different levels, but it looks like this will be normal. So we're going, yes, we're going to do spice. We'll do tea and coffee that we're having every Sunday at 9 a.m. Um, so we could do with some couples there. And then crèche, we could do with some help with the crèche roster at the 9 and the 11 as well. Preferably not parents of crèche age children. Uh, the reason being we already twist their arms to do on the roster anyway, so we just need a couple of extras. If your kids have already grown up, we don't have kids yet. That would be helpful. So those of you, and you can uh, write your name down in your email or be spoken, put it in the giving box, and that would be real helpful. Alright. A lull in the atmosphere at the moment. My sense is that we're not in a storm, we're in a bit of a dog. And the people I talk to, it's reflected that. It's not a storm so much, more of a dog sense of being becalmed. The doldrums are different to a storm. I think we probably like storms better. Because in storms you get to respond and react. You get to take action and initiative and engage and do things. There's a storm out there, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to make this happen. And you go over there and you tie that up and you hold that down and the tramp, the tramp's going over the neighbors, somebody that's pouring, take your t-shirt off, get out there, go and tie the tramp to the dog or something. <laughs> the great hope of the tramp and the dog. <laughs> we like, I think we like storms better because in storms we get to take the initiative and respond with some action and roll our sleeves up and even though it's kind of a disaster at least it feels like you know we can do something storms in a boat you get to bat down hatches and tie things and no one goes to sleep like it's all action station the doldrums though are different the doldrums are that sense in which the momentum has come away it's fallen away there's no energy you see, if you were sailing from here to wherever, Fiji or Rarotonga or wherever, you'd expect at some stage along that journey for the wind to drop, for you to find yourself in the doldrums. Um, you would acknowledge that short of hanging over the side of the boat and kicking, which would just probably attract sharks, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to 
just have to, you have to, you'll be calm if you just have to be calm. I don't think we like that so much. I think we prefer, we prefer a storm than to be the calm, to be in the doldrums. Especially if the doldrums were like three days later, four days later, four weeks later, then you're really starting to feel kind of aggravated. And if you read nautical novels, what I've read, just about all the good ones over my childhood and growing up, you know, people on the sailing ship start to go like crazy, aren't they, when you're in doldrums. People start to get at each other when you're in the doldrums. Because Mark's always a pirate. Somebody, you wake up in the morning, somebody's got a knife in something. It's like this, like this is crazy. We get crazy in the doldrums. A storm, we can at least take action. The doldrums feel a little bit different. There's a lethargic, they're tiring. There's a weariness under the hot sun. There's, there's not that relief of the cool breeze. Disempowering. At least in a storm you can get stuck in, but in the doldrums it's disempowering. And I've been talking to professional supervisors, I don't know, my future, but talking, what you, what's the common conversation that you're having amongst kind of professional people that are looking at? What, what's the common thing that's coming up? Oh, people are feeling weary. Feeling tired, people are feeling lethargic, people are feeling unmotivated. Okay, okay, cool. You know, I find myself in a different conversation with them. Oh, well, the past is that you're catching up. What's the, what, what's the feedback? What's the same thing that's going on? Is it, you know, dramas with vaccines and mandates and things like that? Oh, a little bit. Mainly it's just, it's a weariness. There's a, there's a tiredness, there's a lack of energy and enthusiasm. Uh, you may have heard the term the Great Resignation, but something like 40% of people looking for alternative job options, Googling, what else could I do with my life other than that? I mean, we do need to bear in mind that once you shift to that next place, it will be just the same. But, you know, there's a lot of that. Um, 38% of pastors Googling, what else can a pastor do with life? 45% of pastors under 45, uh, by my research, there's 45% of pastors under 45 Googling. But this is not, this is not inherent to pastoral ministry. This is happening across all industries. How it works. Something like, something like 42, 43% of healthcare workers. What else could I do? You're an eye surgeon. What else could I do? You've really focused in on a particular set of skills. You know? There's this cultural moment where it just doesn't feel maybe like it's felt. And spreadsheet and action planning, rally the troops, have some team meetings, stir the spot up, stir the, stir the block, um, positive confessions to each other. It doesn't change when you get out there, it's still in the favorite just that's the moment that does No longer the wind necessarily directing, but we end up drifting with currents. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Following the doldrums is a drift. It's not that we'll get flipped upside down. It's not that we'll suddenly drown. It's not that something. But the problem in the doldrums is a drift. Just begin to drift away. And that, that can be for anything. That can, we can drift away from kind of intimacy with God. We can drift away from intimacy in our relationships. We can drift away from friendship circles that have held us in good stead for 20 years. Ah, it's just a bit easier to kind of find ourselves drifting. What must we pay careful attention to? It says, to what we've heard, we jump back to Hebrews chapter 1. 
verse 1 to 4, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, or in really these recent days, it's really relevant to what I'm saying. He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so He became as much superior to the angels as the name He had inherited is that of the Son of God. And the rest of chapter 1 is how Christ is so much superior than all the other heavenly beings. Don't drift away. Don't drift away from the one in whom in recent times has brought the full revelation of what God's like. The radiance of God's glory. The one who sustains all things by the power of His word. Don't drift away from that. Stay anchored in that. Stay steadfast in that. Your eyes fixed on that. Christ, who is the heir of all things, the maker of all things, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation, the one who sustains, the Savior of the world, superior of all things. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. Stay steadfast. Christ, the anchor for your soul, the wind within ourselves, the wind in our lips, the wind, the sure foundation. Well, I can say we can keep those miracles going. The captain of the ship. Drift away. I think in the doggers we realize that we're not the captains of our ship, like we often think we are. Directing and charting our course and changing tack and feel like we need to change tack. Some of you find ourselves going, I'm going to make all this go away. It's like, no, you're not. As you can imagine, people who are a couple of years into World War II have had enough. I've had enough of this. <laughs> right, it. It's not going away. Just go, oh man, I'm not the captain of my ship like I so often think I'm the captain of my ship. When the wind's blowing, I make choices, I make decisions, and I'll make good decisions, that person make bad decisions. Now we find ourselves in a place where we make all the decisions that you want. We recognize that Christ is the captain of the ship. How do we do this practically in our faithfulness to healthy habits and holy habits? It's not rocket science. It's not, this is not like me to go viral on the internet. Church twice a day, you needed to pray for five minutes per day, 
like you were, you know, following Jesus faithfully. So I don't want to put something burdensome. I want to be launched out of Sabbath rest. What Sabbath rest is that recognition that God's the one that's in control. We say this all builds the house, we labor in vain. We recognize that uh, we're not created to be brickmakers. We're not, we're not created to simply do. We're created to be human beings, not human doings. So our foundation, our launch out to life is out of Sabbath rest that recognize that God, God is the source, the one who sustains the whole thing is all together. And then from that place, we want to engage, we want to participate. I read last week, Matthew 11, 28 to 28, 28 to 32. I be tired, worn out, burnt out religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So when we talk about attentive prayer, attentive scripture, attentive inspiration, we talk about that as an unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. We engage from a place of rest, a place of recognizing that all is made well in Christ, and I'm invited to participate in the redemptive love of Christ that's at work in my life. But I'm nevertheless invited to participate in some way by choosing to be attentive somehow. Now we're talking about the daily examiner, which is that reflecting on the last 24 hours. Where was Christ present? Where did you feel closest to Christ? Where did you feel most distant? Where did you feel like you reflected Christ to the world around you? Where did you feel like you probably didn't reflect Christ to the world around you again? In light of that, what are your prayers? What's your contemplation? What's your commitment for the next 24 hours? That's that prayer of examiner. It's our way, there's many ways. For about lengthy overmena, which is which is that, that listening to the divine, sitting with the divine in scripture. Uh, not that sense of needing to like read all of the Bible in a week, or needing to understand what did that mean for the common Malachi, you know. The Israelites were in exile in Babylon and you know, it was a dark time in their history. What did this mean for them? It's like that's really important, but don't worry about it. Just sit with the text. Sit with the text. Be still with the text. God, is there something in this you're wanting to bring to life to me in this moment? You can't then turn that into a doctrine and a sermon. That's when you do have to do the other stuff. But in that moment, we can just go, I feel like God's encouraging me in regards to this. I feel like God's speaking to me in this direction. I feel like God's present to me in this moment. Just sitting with the tears. Spiritual direction. You can give spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is just recognizing, there are other people. Older, wiser, younger, more mature, that have been around, experienced something. Some of them have written books. Some of them put out podcasts. Others write worship albums. There's, there's a wealth of resource out of which I can tune in to the wisdom of others, to listen to those voices. What, in what way are they maybe encouraging you? You might not be a reader, so listen to a podcast. You might not be a podcast, read a book. You might not like words, listen to a song. Let the music kind of, let the gift of somebody else's journey encourage and stretch and challenge and inspire you in your life. That you might be non-anxious, that you might be centered, that you might be calm, even as there's a season of which we are to live, be calm. Unforced rhythms of grace. The saints of church history testify to this, what's on the screen, really being like, oh yeah, that's really how you be a Christian. No, I don't want to go, no, go deeper. Oh, no, 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 it's about that. It's about that. It's about as deep as it kind of goes. 
plasticide because they don't work. They're sinicide because they've been tried, but they've been found difficult at times. That's all. I like what Eugene Peterson writes in regards to this. He says, it's common among us to hear these areas of practice, attentiveness to God, prayer, scripture, 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 slighted on grounds of, I have no aptitude for that sort of thing. Or, my interests lie in another field. This is what Eugene Peterson writes. He says, the fact is, I don't mind this, the fact is that nobody has an aptitude for it. There was this conclusion after many years of pastoral work. Nobody has an aptitude for that. It's hard work. It's unglamorous work. While there are no dittos among us, we're all a flourishing of spontaneities. What he's saying there is like, we're not all cut from the same cloth. We're all sorts of different personality types and interests. We're all wired and put together in all sorts of different ways. So that's the real thing. That's true. There is still a, pers a pervasive consensus among the great saints that none of us can mature into excellence without a lifelong persistence of trained to God. Even though we are all wildly different personalities, interests, hobbies, life experiences, wildly different, spontaneous, no dittos, nevertheless, to grow to be the people that we're called to be in each of our own individual lives, it requires attentiveness to God over the duration of our lives. Not really a surprise. And pastorally, I just want to remind you this morning that these are the practices, the disciplines, they're foundational to our Christian faith. Prayer can be done in a thousand different ways. Nevertheless, we're called to pray. We're called to attend to Mr. God, to speak, to listen. Scripture, we can engage in Scripture in many different ways. Some will, I'm not just going to sit and let, that's crazy, I'm going commentary. Fine, no trouble, do that. Engage in different ways. Nevertheless, with Scripture has held the church in good stead for 2,000 years. Tentiveness is by spiritual direction. The wisdom of others offered to us. They've never been tried and found wanting. They've been tried and found difficult. Uh, Eugene Peterson he talks about, he, he did a lot of uh, track and field, a lot of running. He says, I've never met a runner that actually enjoys doing laps for the training. And no one wants to do that. Maybe do it because of the enjoyment of the race. Maybe he was a competitor. He's like, you know, just wraps and wraps and wraps. No one wants to do that. Press up, press up, press up. That's tiring and exhausting. It's hard work. But you know the fruit that comes off. It's not a methodology. I'm not offering this to you as a methodology to get the yacht of your life up on the hydrofoils. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that if the whole church rallies, we'll just get up on those hyper floors. No, no, we're in a cultural moment where things will just slow down a little These are the practices to hold you in good stead, to stop you from going insane, from knifing the person in the head you. Which I would suggest is a healthy thing not to do. Just, just put it in there. It's not to get back up on the hyper floors, it's to be present and attentive to, well, God, what are you? wanting to do in this moment? What's the redemptive love of God? That is at work in all seasons. In this season. What are you wanting to do in my life? In this season. In this The means by which they're the means by which we choose. Not by which we fix up the situation. 
Paul says he can do all things through Christ who strengthens in Philippians 4.13. He's saying that he knows because he's learned that he can, he can flourish. He can stay steadfast. He can, he can stick to the course. He can be content. He can keep faith alive. He knows he can do things. He knows that um, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens. All of those different seasons, all of those different circumstances. Uh, it's not saying that through Christ that strengthens him. He's changing the circumstances. It's saying that in all the various circumstances of life that comes his way, he's learned that he can do the the, the many different types of circumstances that come. Some that somewhere he had a lot. Somewhere he didn't have much at all. He's learned that all the various seasons, circumstances of life that comes his way, he can do them all well. He can stay steadfast. He can keep the faith through Christ who strengthens him in those seasons. Not through Christ who makes the seasons go away, but Christ who strengthens him in those seasons and leads him through. Not strength to get through or change the circumstances, but strength to be content not God as the weatherman, but God is present to us despite the weather. Strengthening power and shape. Not changing the circumstances, but changing our lives throughout the various circumstances. So my kind of pastoral wrap-up. This one to give you permission to feel like you're in the doldrums. And if you don't, if you feel like this is the most exciting time ever because you sell masks or glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but if you find yourself in the doldrums or feeling like that, I just want to give you permission to feel like that. It, it, it comes with the territory. So as the, when I was in pastors, I was with pastors for all of, not this week, last week, about 30 or 40 pastors. And then you just go the first day, how you go, oh, God! I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Good, good. And then by like day three, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's actually really tough, actually. It's like, yeah, it's all right that it feels tough, that you feel a bit disheartened, that the boat's come down off the floor. That's totally fine. What do you think? It is what it is. I want to remind you to be aware that others are probably feeling that way as well. People that you bump into, that you rub shoulders with, they're probably feeling that way as well. Be, be gracious. Knowledge that life's like that at times. It's not all smooth sailing. It's not all smooth sailing. I think we've had times, if we were honest, we recognize, but we've all had storms in life. Sometimes you just need to hear about someone else's storm to realize, oh, yeah, we've had some tough stuff as well. I thought I was the only person that had tough stuff in life. We've all had doldrums at times. Then you talk to someone who's like, oh, you felt paused for extended periods as well. These are just one of those unusual moments where we're all kind of feeling a similar thing in a similar time. Things aren't up on the hydrofuels. Can I encourage you that puffing and puffing isn't the solution? We'll blow the house down. You know, I'm three little things. Be calm. It's the disciplines of healthy habits and walking. From a place of Sabbath rest, without striving, without someone hitting you with a stick, just attentiveness to God, prayer and scripture, and spiritual direction in some way and shape. I'm going to finish by reading Proverbs chapter 3. I headed in the newsletter. 
ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is like a tree of life, a tree of life to those who take hold of Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Proverbs is a setup in the sense that it's encouraging you to live the way that is most likely to result in a fruitful, blessed, wholesome. Ecclesiastes tells us you can do all the right stuff and it can turn to custom. Proverbs nevertheless says, but even though you can do the right stuff and it turn to custom, all the, all the right By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. And there's one that's over and above all of this that's happening. He offers wisdom. Tune into my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster, of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being sleep. You look like the wisdom, sound judgment, discernment, Sleep soundly at night, not stressing about all the things that could go wrong. You don't have to dog. What if I say to the person, How was I behaving in that situation? Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Don't accuse anyone for no reason when they've done no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. The Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord curses on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteousness. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but the fool gets only There's life in Scripture as we sit in the calm season. Maybe you just need to read it from every day. Alright, let's stand together. God's words are lamp to our feet.